Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. (laughs) I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. In the Booth on a Tuesday, a game day. Orange basketball team home in the Dome tonight with Iona coming in. One of the teams in the middle part of this pre-conference schedule that uh, is not Kansas or Maryland, is not Colgate or Cornell, and is in that meaty middle where Syracuse will have any number of opponents. You could add to that list Buffalo, St. Bonaventure, Oakland, Toledo, that are good enough to beat them. These are teams that could make the NCAA tournament, in some cases have. a uh, I own a program that regularly wins 22-plus games, regularly wins... 15, 16, 17 conference games in the MAC, but they play in a league that only one team goes to the tournament in. You have to win on one weekend in March. They have done it quite often of late, making the NCAA tournament four of the past six years, including the last two years. Got blasted in the opening round by Oregon last season, but bring a bunch of players back from that team. Not their leading scorer, not the second leading scorer, but uh, after that, some players that are uh, productive, were part of that group, and they did lose an opening round game to another team, another program with regular NCAA tournament aspirations in Albany. They got out-rebounded in that one by 20. That'll be a big advantage for Syracuse. We don't always talk about the Orange as uh, rebounding stalwarts, but uh, this year, with their length, aggressiveness, their better defense, those figure to be stronger attributes for Syracuse early in the season, so look for that tonight. The Syracuse strength would be their front court and size, athleticism against uh, what Iona does not have. If Iona is going to hang in the game, they're going to do it by shooting. Uh, it's a team that uh, a year ago averaged 80 points per game. They feel like they can go faster, get more shots up now because uh, they have uh, gotten a little more athletic. The Their best player that did move on is Jordan Washington. He was a little bit more of a lumbering guy. They had to wait for him to get set up. So look for them to be open, to be guard-oriented, and to try to shoot the rock against the Syracuse zone. That orange zone permitted Cornell to shoot just 25% in the opener, and Syracuse enjoyed a healthy rebounding advantage in that game. So that is tonight's on ACC Network Extra. Matt Rowe and myself there. Brian Higgins and Jim Sadlin on TK99 tonight with the pregame there beginning at 5.30. Lots going on with hoops. And as the week progresses, we'll have the Jim Beheim show tomorrow night over at Shaughnessy's in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. Thursday night, the Dino Babers show, previewing the Orange and Louisville. Friday, a travel day. And Saturday, a kickoff in the Derby City as the Orange have won. They need to win against the Louisville Cardinals. In addressing that game, really a big theme for Coach Babers, and this is true of his outlook kind of before he's actually lived through it. And if you look at the Syracuse program in recent years, it's been hard to win games in November. That's in large part because the roster is different in November in terms of what you have available to you, what you have developed to on the upside over the course of the season. And for Syracuse, quarterback Eric Dungey, we do think we'll be able to rally for the weekend, but if he's not, 
you're looking at maybe three consecutive years where, yes, he was your starting quarterback, but he didn't appear in the final quarter of the season. That's sort of what uh, is the hinge factor here on these games. And for Babers, the idea of building momentum isn't really there in college football. If you're looking for the idea of Syracuse backing up its biggest win of the year, Clemson, with another one, well, they had two close losses on the road to talented teams. They came home, built a big lead, and saw that slip away with a poor second half on Saturday against Wake Forest. And momentum is only as good as your next game. It is a week-to-week thing in college football. You know, so much of sports is treating each week as an individual week. The Clemson week was a high week, and the weeks after that have not been so high. I think even when everyone's talking about which bowl game we were going to go to, when I tried to say you need to take them one at a time, now here we are in November, and we better take them one at a time. So I think the momentum is created every single week, and we need to create our own momentum for Louisville. Well, there's no such thing so much as momentum created every week because if you're creating it every week, you have no momentum. The, the point that I guess more to, to change the words around for what he means is it means you're starting over every week and you're, you're climbing back up that hill every week. You're not rolling because you won your last one or the one before that and uh, because at this level, if you can't keep everybody healthy, if you can't hang your hat on a consistent game plan or – hey, we're just better than the other team, we're going to run it down their throat, or we're so slick offensively or so consistently good defensively that uh, you can build up an identity week to week. Syracuse might be that at some point, but uh, isn't yet tonight. And that means in week 10, now for Syracuse, technically week 12 of the season, game number 11 is coming, and that means this Syracuse team is a whole lot different than the one that opened the year September 1st against Central Connecticut. I think if you go back and you, once again, check the depth chart and check how many guys were playing early in those games and then how many people are actually playing now. Just because we run out with a whole bunch of guys out of the tunnel, if you really actually check to see who goes in the game and who doesn't go in the game, it's it, that wear and tear on your body, I think, is showing up. We're at game 10. Everybody's got it. Everybody's banged up. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's trying to take advantage of some guys that maybe are I lost a step or not at the same speed as they were earlier in the season, and I think it's showing up. The coaches are doing a nice job. This is one heck of a conference when it comes to the coaches, especially when you talk about coaches in the ACC Atlantic, and I think it's just showing up. Well, the coaches scout you from week to week. You know, One of the great things I heard recently said about coaches related to Bill Belichick as uh, the Patriots were shredding through yet another opponent and winning in Denver the other night, and Belichick's the best coach in the game. Uh, he and Nick Saban uh, up there together and kind of on their own planet. They are closely linked, and this is really one of the best compliments I've ever heard about Belichick. If you want to get a feel for what he's going to do to you, you better really self-scout your team because he's coming after your weakness. Or if you don't know what your weakness is, he's going to tell you. And uh, that is what has made the Patriots great over time is, yes, they have their strengths, but they are so varied week to week. They match up something that is a strength or is sort of a strength for them against what they identify as your weakness, and they shred you that way. A lot of different things. We don't spend a ton of time talking about the NFL here, but uh, because we have, through our various opportunity to get guests on the show, 
ways to link into certain situations and people are close to various things. We've been wanting to have uh, the Patriots radio play-by-play announcer Bob Sosi on the show, and I think we'll have him tomorrow uh, depending on his schedule. He, Bob's a Auburn native and has been with the past and covering every game for the last handful of years, including the Super Bowl a couple of times. And uh, just the idea of what they've got going on now. They've won 12 road games in a row. They've won at Denver. They're staying out west because their next game is against the Raiders in Mexico City. And uh, a few things to peck in on him with to kind of get a window into one of the bigger stories year after year in the National Football League. One of the big stories here on campus tonight, not only the game, but before that, the Marty Glickman Award Ceremony. Marty Glickman is the father of modern sportscasting. This is a sportscasting uh, school and program that has generated many of them. Mike Tirico will be honored tonight with the Marty Glickman Award uh, at the Newhouse School. And so uh, you'll see him at the game, and we'll have him on the uh, TV broadcast. Sean McDonough is a previous Marty Glickman Award winner and uh, the voice of Monday Night Football who succeeded uh, Tariko in that role will join us as the show continues. You're listening to In the Booth. We are on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you by CNYRealtor.com, CH Insurance, and Burdick Ford. More to come as we continue In the Booth. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Chiefs. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. As Max mentioned it's in the Sports Center update at the top of the show, three UCLA players accused of shoplifting in China are on their way back to the U.S. LiAngelo Ball, Cody Riley, and Jalen Hill expected back in Los Angeles later today. The trio had been detained in China for the last week after being accused of stealing sunglasses from a store next to their hotel. UCLA Chancellor Gene Block says further action may be taken against the players. Well, I would imagine so. It's embarrassing for uh, UCLA. A good fortune for them, right, that the is the president in China right now, but he certainly had been yeah, he talking with the... Chinese people, so that uh, tends to work out all right. They're in a, a good mood when they're hosting the president, and it sounds like it could have been and may still could be uh, dire, significantly dire circumstances for these uh, guys who uh, made an effort to apparently steal or allegedly steal sunglasses from the hotel. And uh, obviously, they were doing that just for sport. My idea would be to send LeVar Ball to China and take the punishment. For his son and lock Let him, him up. Do it. Yeah. Lock him up for life. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. That'll be in season two of their reality <laughs> show. After beating the Knicks, Cleveland Cavaliers forward LeBron James has proclaimed himself the King of New York. It comes after the Cavs come from behind win over the Knicks 104 to 101 at MSG. Save it. I'm a, a huge uh, LeBron fan. Uh, you know, think he's epic in, in a lot of ways and obviously a tremendous player. Came from behind. They uh, rode the subway to the game. All those good things. I don't understand what makes him uh, king of New York. Might be king of basketball. Certainly king of Cleveland. Absolutely. They ought to name Akron after him. But uh, what what makes him king of New York? Everybody knows the prince of Syracuse is the king of New York. And that would be Billy Joel. Right? Okay. He plays MSG. Really? You're dropping Billy Joel as he, king of how, New York. Yeah, he's an M- Well, at least at MSG. He's there every other week, I think. Right? I'm going to be on Paulie's yes. side on that one. The king of 
I mean, maybe in Madison Square Garden, but you're saying the, if you had to identify the person who's most iconic of New York City, you would... Right now, I would put Billy Joel at that. Really? That's yeah. interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not discounting it. We could open that up to uh, to the listeners, too, who they think the king of New York For ESPN 44, 437-7644, if you'd like to uh, chime in on that. The king of New York. And an Army veteran who tripped and broke his hip while buy, uh, buying a watermelon at an Alabama Walmart has been awarded $7.5 million. It happened in June of 2015, and retired Sergeant Henry Walker's lawyer says the fall changed his life forever. Sure did. Sure did, yeah. <laughs> How was Walmart at fault? Uh, I guess there was stuff in the way or... Slippery floor, I'm guessing. Yeah. Liquid on the floor. Would you break your hip for seven point five? I wouldn't buy a watermelon. First of all, I think watermelon is completely uh, overrated. I love watermelon. Overrated. Huge watermelon fan. Watermelon is one of those things where the artificial version of it tastes way better. There's a, that's actual taste. Like I don't eat watermelon and go, "Oh, this tastes like the watermelon s- bubble th- gum." This is outrageous. Are you saying that watermelon Jolly Rancher tastes better than regular watermelon? Yes. That is outrageous. Yeah, hundred percent. That's a take. 100% I would say that. That, That's the very definition of a hot take right there. I mean, watermelon tastes like water. No, it's got a sweetness to it. But you got to really eat a lot. That's the other thing, to eat a lot of it. Like, you know, if we had a whole big watermelon, the three of us, we we wouldn't need a lot more people to find our way through that, right? I'd kill it. I love watermelon. Yeah, Cold watermelon. I will say this. As... uh, treats go for summertime it's not filling it's not i mean i'll take s'mores eight days a week over watermelon but you know but for a nice uh hot afternoon snack it's okay it just doesn't do much for me and god forbid there are seeds in there in the the water how did the watermelon the fake watermelon taste become watermelon because it tastes nothing like watermelon do you know what i'm saying i mean i like that taste i love that watermelon taste like watermelon jelly rancher sign me up I, I don't hate that, but I, I would take regular watermelon over a, a Jolly Ranger. This might be the most controversial Dewey <laughs> care yeah. in the history of yeah. this program. Wow. Billy Joel, the king of it. New York, and watermelon, uh, yay or nay. Another thing that uh, fake is better than real, maple syrup. Yeah, I, I, I could go with that. I can, I'm down you with know, that. So give me whenever, the, you know, the, just the stuff that you throw in the microwave or whatever, nuke that versus, you know, the stuff you bought on the side of the road in Vermont. That's a little too sugary sweet for my taste. The artificial thing, not good, banana. Banana yeah, is yeah, a yeah, not, yeah. not a good artificial taste. I don't really enjoy taste. banana as a taste. I uh, <laughs> I'll, I will eat the occasional banana because I know they're good for you. <laughs> this is a strange well, gra- kind of topic, but I love it. Can you tell that we had to I delay Sean by 15 minutes? <laughs> Dewey Care is brought to you by. It's brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's Love at First Slice. No artificial flavors. Not at Cam's. They wouldn't do that. Okay, thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) Big hoops tonight, not only uh, here in Syracuse, but uh, nationally, big time basketball as the uh, one versus two matchup right out the gate. Duke and Michigan State. I think for those who. follow or support college basketball nationally. They fear that college basketball gets lost in the shuffle and nobody pays attention until the last part of the season, if at all, or maybe into uh, NCAA tournament. But uh, one versus two, Duke and Michigan State tonight. The other telling thing about that is the starting lineup of the two teams is going to feature four sophomores and six freshmen. 
and no upperclassmen. So that is obviously one thing that college basketball does not necessarily have going for it, but uh, still good stuff there in the uh, State Farm Champions Classic in Chicago. Duke, Michigan State at 7, and then the nightcap, Kentucky and Kansas. And a good thing about college basketball is you can play these games in the regular season, and they're fun to watch, and there's a nice boost for the winner, but the loser's season is not completely derailed as it uh, might be in football. We'll have the Kansas-Kentucky game uh, here tonight. Okay, after uh, yeah, after the Syracuse game. game. Yep. Okay, looking forward to uh, checking that one out maybe on the ride home. Okay, more to come. Sean McDonough of uh, ESPN set to join us a bit later on our show. We'll turn our attention back to uh, Syracuse football when we return. Your phone calls are welcome if you'd like to chime in on the great watermelon debate at 315-437-7644. That's 315-4ESPN44. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Crunch are back on the road this Wednesday as they make their one and only trip to Hershey to face the Hershey Bears. Join Countdown to Crunch Time at 645, followed by the puck drop at 7 o'clock on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. I think the atmosphere around our team is just thinking about the one game that we have with Louisville and the things that we need to do and we need to get corrected for us to have an opportunity to put our best foot forward. You know, those of us around teams and on the outside fans observers reporters media whatever you know you get bored by that right oh one game at a time coaches have no choice players have no choice there's too much ahead of them there's too much work that goes in one game to the next than to do anything but focus on the one game you have particularly in college football where you only have 20 hours of impression time with your team for the week that's meetings that's practices the game the uh, training room time, et cetera. So that's why coaches say what they say about the one game at a time mentality, et cetera. And for Syracuse right now, yep, they need to win two to get to a bowl. And you can only win the game you're playing in the one week. That's why you're going to hear a lot of that uh, coach speak type stuff. And uh, certainly to win on the road at Louisville is going to demand Syracuse's full attention, even if Louisville hasn't had the season that it had in mind at the beginning of the year. The uh, Orange haven't won a road game since uh, the middle of October last year against uh, Boston College and looking to get that turned around. They hope to have Eric Dungy back. Certainly Zach Mahoney has started well the last couple of times, the Pittsburgh game at the end of last year, if you consider throwing for 440 yards and uh, accounting for seven touchdowns, having a good game. He did that. He threw for 440 and five touchdowns and ran in two more. And then in the first half of the start, the other day against Wake Forest, he obviously was a stud again, nearly 300 yards and three more touchdowns. Just that was not sustained into the second half, and Mahoney threw a couple of picks. Now you want to see Dungy back. What's the difference? Dungy a bit more explosive. Dungy needs to be honored more because of his legs. This is, again, on the assumption that Dungy's 100%. And he can be in the lineup not 100%. He just needs to have the legs under him enough. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. I think the atmosphere around our team is just thinking about the one game that we have with Louisville and the things that we need to do and we need to get corrected for us to have an opportunity to put our best foot forward. You know, those of us around teams and on the outside, fans, observers, reporters, media, whatever, you know, you get bored by that, right? Oh, one game at a time. Coaches have no choice. Players have no choice. There's too much ahead of them there's too much work that goes in one game to the next than to do anything but 
focus on the one game you have, particularly in college football, where you only have 20 hours of impression time with your team for the week. That's meetings, that's practices, the game, the uh, training room time, et cetera. So that's why coaches say what they say about the one game at a time mentality, et cetera. And for Syracuse right now, yep, they need to win two to get to a bowl. And you can only win the game you're playing in the one week. That's why you're going to hear a lot of that uh, coach speak type stuff. And uh, certainly to win on the road at Louisville is going to demand Syracuse's full attention, even if Louisville hasn't had the season that it had in mind at the beginning of the year. The uh, Orange haven't won a road game since uh, the middle of October last year against uh, Boston College and looking to get that turned around. They hope to have Eric Dungy back. Certainly Zach Mahoney has started well the last couple of times, the Pittsburgh game at the end of last year, if you consider throwing for 440 yards and uh, accounting for seven touchdowns having a good game. He did that. He threw for 440 and five touchdowns and ran in two more. And then in the first half of the start, the other day against Wake Forest, he obviously was a stud again, nearly 300 yards and three more touchdowns. Just that was not sustained into the second half, and Mahoney threw a couple of picks. Now you want to see Dungy back. What's the difference? Dungy a bit more explosive. Dungy needs to be honored more because of his legs. This is, again, on the assumption that Dungy's 100%. And he can be in the lineup not 100%. He just needs to have the legs under him enough to be able to extend plays and to avoid the rush so that he's not at risk uh, being in there and gimpy. You know, we don't really have to change our style. I think we just adjust to certain things. Eric likes to do certain things, which is fine. So we really haven't changed our offense. We just call different types of plays when he's in there. And Babers is obviously not going to enumerate uh, those plays and, and give you the complete breakdown of who they are with Dungy and who they are without, but I think you can understand that a little bit. There's no limitation of Zach Mahoney when it comes to knowledge or trust in the offense. In fact, I don't think there's a ton of limitation when it comes to the types of plays they call or the types of throws they called. Mahoney can sling the rock. If anything, Mahoney throws too hard, right? Some of the early incompletions for Mahoney in the uh, first half of the Wake Forest game were rockets that he threw to uh, Devin Butler in particular, comes to mind. There was one that was right on his hands. There were a couple others that were maybe half a step behind or that type of thing where they were uh, catchable but not perfect throws. And Dungey has his share of those too. But the biggest difference, obviously, with Dungey is he's a quarterback that's capable for running for 100 yards in a game. He's a quarterback that leads your team in rushing touchdowns. He makes things happen on third down. He extends plays and uh, is a much more dynamic player. And now you're going into a game where in Louisville's Lamar Jackson, you're playing one of the most dynamic players in the country. He got a big trophy last year to prove that and uh, is responsible for a couple of monster games uh, in his career against uh, Syracuse and still leaping over people in the 610 total yards from last year, etc. Anyway, that is Saturday, the Orange and Louisville with a 3.30 kickoff. Tonight in the Carrier Dome, it's the Cuse and Iona, game number two for each. Orange uh, looking to go to 2-0 for the 14th consecutive season, and Iona hoping to bounce back off a season opening loss to Albany from Friday night. Mike Tirico will be honored at uh, the Newhouse School later today, here in just a couple of hours with the Glickman Award, a past Glickman Award winner is our friend Sean McDonough, the voice of Monday Night Football on ESPN, and he joins us now. Hello, Sean. 
How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm over here at the uh, world-famous Newhouse School as we speak, having a good time talking with some students and getting ready for the big presentation to Mr. Tirico here in a couple of hours. Yeah, you're always uh, so generous, as is Mike and, and some of the others, with uh, your time with the students, and that has been a long-standing uh, tradition in your part, and I know you'll be part of the uh, halftime coverage and or pregame, et cetera. We've got uh, a lot of students involved in our coverage of the Hoops game tonight. Yeah, that's right. And I guess uh, you're doing the game on TV from what I understand. Isn't that amazing? So we just did a little segment that's going to air at halftime yeah. with Noah Eagle. It makes me feel old because I remember <laughs> when I and Eagle, his dad, was just a couple of years behind in school here. But I'm uh, looking forward to getting to the game tonight. And it's really nice to go to a game in the Dome without having to work. Just sit there and sit in the crowd and enjoy watching the game and not have to worry about how many points or rebounds or fouls somebody has. I was just going to ask you that because you, uh, you don't probably get to enjoy yourself in the same way um, you know, obviously when you're working, you, you can't. And, and for you to kind of go to a game as a fan, uh, it's got to be a cool deal. Last night, you're, you're part of the longest running and uh, one of the biggest television productions uh, in America going back uh, decades now with, with Monday Night Football and have this very prestigious position. So I'll bet you enjoy uh, letting your hair down and uh, just kind of <laughs> checking the well, game. Out. Unfortunately, I don't have any hair to let down, <laughs> but if I did, I certainly would. But uh, I am looking forward to it. You know, a lot of times you drive into these games and you know, like last night, you're pulling into the stadium in Charlotte, and you're really excited to go on there and do a Monday football game. But sometimes you look in the parking lot as you're walking in, you see these people eating and having a good time, and you know, no cares in the world other than walking in the stadium and watching an NFL game, or back a couple of years ago, a college football game. Sometimes you get envious of that, too. But uh, I don't go to many games as a fan. You know, usually it's because I do so many games for my job, it almost feels like you're going back to the office when you go to a game as a fan. But I'm really looking forward to being there tonight. Love the Dome. Obviously love anything that's connected to Syracuse. And uh, have a chance to you know, visit with John Wildhack and sit with Mike and Beth Mullins and Bob Costas and some other pals. It's very rare that we all get together at the same place. So that, that's going to make tonight special, too. Well, I love the idea. So the Glickman Award, and you're a past winner, Sean, as is Beth, as is Ian Eagle. Uh, really for your excellence and your dedication to helping students and, and giving back to the school, uh, very deserved in, in your case and in, in all of those cases. So I want to ask you about that. But I think it's cool that the way this worked out is uh, Mike, instead of having it in New York, as it's been historically, wanted to have it in Syracuse. It was scheduled uh, months ago. It turns out to be a game night. And now it feels like a field trip for all of you to kind of go over yeah. to the new house and then, and then uh, a group ticket buy. Yeah, it's been really fun. You know, they've done it in the past in New York in the summertime as a way, I think, to, you know, there's so many alums, particularly in the Newhouse School, who live and work in the New York area, and you know, it's a great event to bring people together and bring some attention to the, you know, Newhouse uh, Sports Media Center uh, down in the New York area. But, you know, last year they had a ceremony there, and then I came up on campus and we did another one up here, too, so it really was the best of both worlds, but... You know, Mike loves the university, as you know. You know, he's so actively involved on a number of levels, and you know, there's nobody who loves being on this campus any more than Mike does. So I'm happy for him. You know, the Glickman Award is really special. You know, it's in memory of a great man who really was the pioneer. You know, this whole Newhouse Syracuse sports broadcaster cradle thing never would have happened were it not for Martin Glickman being the trailblazer and so many people wanting to come here over the years, guys like Marv Albert, because they wanted to be. Marty Glickman, and then there are guys like Bob Costas and Mike Tirico and others came here because they wanted to be Marv Albert, Dick Stockton, or whoever it is. So it's been a self 
perpetuating thing, and it really all starts with Marty Clifford, who was a great mentor to me and other people. So the award has a lot of meaning, and I'm really happy for Mike because I know how deeply honored he is. We're visiting with the great Sean McDonough, who uh, don't sell yourself short, Sean. Uh, a lot of people come here because they want to be you too, and uh, Sean's doing great work on Monday Night Football. You had the uh, Panthers and the, the Dolphins last night. I was feeling for you a little bit. You're emptying your notebook on just how bad the Dolphins – Offense has been no rushing touchdowns for the season, the poorest red zone performance in the league, et cetera. And uh, it looked like they didn't put up much of a fight for you last night. No, you know, it was a game for a while. You know, I thought they might make it a game. You know, but right before the half, uh, Jay Cutler threw a really bad interception. I thought they might just run out the clock. I think they were only down by a field goal, and they got the ball back with about 45 seconds to go. And they threw a really bad interception that the Panthers cashed into a touchdown. and I think that really changed the tenor of the game. But, you know, even on nights like that, Matt, as you know, doing what you do, you love what you do, I love what I do. Uh, even though there are some nights, like last night, when it feels a little bit more like work, you know, usually it doesn't feel like work at all. Uh, we're just so blessed to have the opportunity to do what we do and call games for a living. But, you know, last night was a little bit of work, but uh, there still wasn't any place else I'd rather be. No, it's great, and uh, great for you to be able to transition quickly from working in Charlotte last night to, to being with us to have some fun uh, and uh, to celebrate Mike Tirico and the school uh, here tonight as we visit with Sean McDonough. You'll see a lot of these folks on our television uh, broadcast of the game, uh, the Orange and Iona, with a 7 o'clock start. Sean, I was curious how you view the NFL now. You, you've been a, a couple years in this job and, and very closely linked in uh, a high-profile position. You were a fan and observer of the NFL for a long time and, and certainly is, is, is well chronicled. Uh, your dad got you into the game as a young person. Do you pay attention to any of this stuff going around about Goodell and the, the infighting of the owners? Do, does that take away uh, for your enjoyment of the game? And, and what do you know now about the NFL uh, being close to it that you didn't uh, a couple years ago? Well, I do pay attention to it. You know, I don't think on a practical level it has much to do with what we do in the execution of calling the game. You know, there are other issues, like the anthem stuff that hit a little closer to home, only because sometimes we had to cover those things directly, particularly you know, the weekend after President Trump made his statements in that speech in Alabama that prompted a lot more players to do whatever it was that they did, take a knee or... Uh, Sid or raise the list, whatever the case may be. You know, it got, that got so much attention that that weekend that we felt on that Monday night that we had to cover it because it really was a news story. But, uh, you know, the other stuff I pay attention to because, you know, you try to pay attention as much as you can to anything that's important about the league. But, you know, generally when the games roll around, as you know, Matt, you know, we're just on there uh, calling that game, talking about the things that are really pertinent and topical for those two teams and maybe the rest of the league as it impacts those two teams. But, you know, the topic, for example, of Roger Goodell and his new contract, Jerry Jones and his relationship with the other owners isn't really something that uh, comes up in the framework of a game. Now, maybe if you're doing a Cowboy game or an Atlanta Falcon game, it's a little bit different, but a game like last night, although we were looking for other things to talk about <laughs> other than the game, it's still not. It's probably something that really wouldn't come up in, in that framework. Well, you're the best at uh, doing that and, and going into even, even last night alone, some of the stories about Ron Rivera's background and uh, kind of weaving those into uh, current events and, and keeping abreast of, of certainly what's happening with the comings and goings of those two teams where I'm sure the fan bases feel uh, nervous. Well, one thing I talk about with uh, students, Sean, and, and working with them, I said, 
when you watch Sean McDonough, I don't care. I'll watch a Syracuse basketball game, and I know the Syracuse team inside and out, and I always learn something about Syracuse watching you. That means you have the right relationships and are doing your homework better than anybody because you, you can't say that about uh, just any jamoke that they, they put up there on TV. So, Well, uh, I appreciate that, man. That's a nice compliment because I do think that when I say that, anytime I hear at Newhouse speaking to students or other places speaking to people who want to do this, the most important part of it is preparation. I mean, a lot of people, most people could show up and just say, you know, that field goal is good and this guy has 10 points or five rebounds. But you know, our job is to tell people something they don't know, hopefully to entertain them, inform them, particularly about the participants. And I think the biographical story, so many of these people, really all of them, if you have the chance to dig into their backgrounds, they all have interesting stories, one way or another to tell. You know, Ron Rivera, especially all the attention about the anthem. You know, here's a a coach in the NFL grew up on military bases all over the world. His, his dad was from Puerto Rico, but you know served for more than thirty years in the uh, in the army and did so with distinction. And you know it was clear how moved the Panther players were when the families of the twenty one fallen soldiers who they were honoring uh, salute to service night last night. When those families went to the Panthers' practice day before the game. So those Panther players were fully engaged and very happy that this was taking place and so appreciative of the sacrifice that their loved ones made. So, you know, there's been so much attention to the protests in and around the anthem, but, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, a very high percentage of the players in the NFL, I think, who uh, want to make sure that the fans know that the, these things aren't directed at the anthem. And uh, that's why I've always wished they would just find another forum to stage these protests and make their point, because... To me, the anthem and the flag should be sacred, and uh, they should find another platform to make their point, but some choose not to do that. I hear you. Uh, another minute or so with Sean McDonough, ESPN's great, and uh, here in town tonight for the uh, presentation of the Marty Glickman Award to Mike Tirico. Sean's a, a past winner of the Marty Glickman Award for service and for giving back and for obviously outstanding work in the field, uh, courtesy of the Newhouse School. And then you'll be at the game, and as you said, kind of putting your fan cap on a little bit, and I don't know if we'll see you later in the season on Big Monday or any of that, but what is your outlook of a Syracuse basketball right now, Sean, when we thought at this time we'd be getting ready for the victory parade for the Hall of Famer, and really it's anything but. Now he's coaching his kid uh, you know, on the court next year. He coached against his kid the other night, and uh, yeah. <laughs> a very young team that he's going to have to wade through this season with. Yeah, I think that's it. And do you know, Coach, better than I do, or at least as well as I do. And, you know, it seems like the years when you talk to him, he says we're going to be really good. It turns out that they're not that good, and vice versa. So, right. yeah, I know it is a less experienced team than we've seen here in the past. But uh, you know, sometimes, as I said, that's when you have the seasons that are really pleasant surprises. And I did think, you know, that moment the other night. I, I watched the highlights of it on TV, and I sent Jim and Julie a text after. Jimmy hit the three and then came down and scored another bucket right after that. You know, it was just such a great moment. As you know, coaches are always the warmest and fuzziest guy, but it was even uh, discernible through the text back and forth that you know, it was really emotional thing for him and uh, for the, their whole Bayheim family. So I thought that was awesome and uh, happy for all of them. Well, I'm sure you can appreciate this if the reporting is true and there's no reason to think that it isn't. Uh, Coach Beheim was asked after the game, what'd you say to Jimmy in the handshake line afterwards? He said, well, we'll keep that between us. Then they asked Jimmy, what did Coach say to you? Yeah, we almost had a good game. 
<laughs> well, I, you know, I would have been fine if Coach had clapped and high five Jimmy on his way back down the court. I mean, sure. you know how close, you know, it's one of the things, you know, we all analyze everything about Coach very closely here in uh, Central New York, but uh, you and I get closer access yeah. to him than most people, and one of the things I've always appreciated is uh, he really is a wonderful father, very dedicated and loving to his kids and very proud of his kids, and yeah, I know he was bursting with pride about that whole scene. I mean, you, you know, how storybook is that to have it be his first game and, and do what he did? And, you know, as my colleague Bill Raftery would say, and dear friend, you know, it took some onions. You know, I'm sure Jimmy's heart was racing pretty quickly when he went out there on that court and, uh, you know, tee up the first shot, do what he did was unbelievable, really. Well, and as you know, and people that follow Coach Beheim for years, he added, it is at his essence a competitor first and foremost. There's the legendary stories of he and his father on the golf course and they would, you know, kind of get off speaking terms for a while because uh, they were just two vicious competitors uh, going at it. So uh, you have to tip your cap to uh, Jimmy in that scenario and and uh, he bounced back with five points in the next game, which gives you a little bit more perspective. He had the first five points of the game here on Friday night and wound up uh, scoring in double digits. He was the uh, second leading scorer for Cornell. So, Sean, uh, great to visit with you as always. You're the best, and uh, looking forward to seeing you up here at Newhouse in a little bit and then at the game later, okay? You got it, Matt. Thanks very much. Who's filling your big shoes on the radio tonight Bri- if you're doing the TV? Yeah, Brian's got it tonight. He'll hold it down with uh, Coach Sadlin. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing all of you over there. It's a great night, and uh, – a great night for Newhouse and for Mike Tirico, and we're all excited to be here. Looking forward to it, and uh, appreciate your coming on, Sean. Thank you, Sean uh, McDonough of ESPN. Nobody better uh, on the air or off, and uh, Mike Tirico in the same category. Sean's a past winner of the Marty Glickman Award, and Mike getting the Marty Glickman Award tonight. Uh, two guys that uh, not only love sports and are great sports casters, but uh, really have genuine and deep connections uh, to the university give back to students uh, regularly and uh, we can't thank them enough for that back with more we'll wrap up in the booth on espn radio syracuse tonight the orange face iona in the loud house syracuse game day starts at 5 30 catch su hoops on tk99 and espn am 1200 this is in the booth with matt park can't argue with that. This is in the booth, and you can't argue with the statement before that. The Orange do face Iona tonight in the Loud House for a 7 o'clock tip-off. Iona coach uh, Tim Kloos is in his eighth season, and they told me last night that uh, he and Coach Beheim had not really been acquainted until uh, that December 10th game from back then. Kloos's older brother played at St. John's against Syracuse back in the day, but... Uh, Clues an interesting guy, very much a Long Islander, CW Post, you know, that kind of uh, background, and has been uh, at Iona now uh, for the eight seasons and has won a lot of basketball games. They've been in the tournament four of the past six years, and they uh, bring in a group here that I think the guards could kind of hang. Now, that being said, uh, Syracuse's guards include a guy named Tyus Battle, and Battle's going to be the best player on the floor in a lot of scenarios um, when the Orange uh, go out there. So uh, no matter who they line up against, and Battle so far has been the leading scorer in uh, all three games for Syracuse. We're still including the exhibition games for now to uh, increase the sample size a little bit, but uh, that's the way the season has unfolded 
to this point, and uh, it's really been three very similar games where the Orange have struggled in the half court offensively, then have thrown on the press, have used the defense to create some easy baskets and the transition game a little bit, and have gotten going that way and have ended up winning going away. I would expect something similar here tonight, although I think you're looking for a little bit of uh, execution in the half court for Syracuse uh, should that come because you're going to need to do that at some point. If you were looking at Iona, famous alumni, Matt Park, and I, yeah, I, told I would you, struggle. I told Jeff you, Jeff Ruland. I told you that uh, one of the longest songs to ever be, and a God of Vita, a hit oh. on the Billboard charts, American was, Pie. Oh yeah, Don McLean. Really? Yeah, is from, from. How do you feel about this song? Great song. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is interesting to the listeners, but I, I drive to the games, and I used to drive with a gentleman who followed the basketball team frequently who would put this song on and repeat it four times in a row as, as we left. That's half an hour. Yeah, as we, left the, <laughs> as we left to start each trip, this played four times in a row. Why four? This I don't that, know. That was enough you got I sick. don't know. It was just My his uncle, tradition. Uh, I'm told... And he's a big music guy, loves all kinds of music, uh, particularly from that era. This is a tremendous song uh, by any measure. But, uh, and it also, you know, I'm an old enough fart that I like songs that I can make out the words to. It's <laughs> a lot of ones that I make up the words to as I go. But um, I'm told that my uncle had an MRI and as he disappeared into the tube in order to keep his mind on something other than the fact that he was in a claustrophobic tube, you know, basically played his way through uh, this song. So that, you know, if you can kind of do that, well, that kills eight minutes for you there. You can be off and never land somewhere. I would put this as a song that most Americans know the lyrics. Like, if you had to pick up one yes. song that Americans know the lyrics to, I would put this in the top five. Is that a hot take for you? It's a good, I don't know. That's a top five. Like, I think everybody knows the lyrics to this song. Like, yeah. Most recognizable song. Well, it's slow. It's easy. To follow to go, yeah. Got a little, yeah. This we one just hang out there for the fun. Yeah, we don't even have enough time to put. <laughs> That's right. It's not even gonna fit for the the rest of the show. That's a good one, Don McLean. Not to be confused with the Don McLean that played basketball at UCLA. That's not. not here you go. He's an Iona graduate, huh? Who else? Anybody else on the list? I didn't look. That was the that first one that popped up. And quit I was and you sold. said, "Okay, good. That'll, that'll kill eight minutes." <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, good. We'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, 2 o'clock show, thinking about maybe Bob Sosi talking Patriots tomorrow. Paul Rogers, the voice of the Louisville football, basketball, and Cardinals will join us on Thursday. More to come as we continue on ESPN Radio Syracuse.